not uh, seen it already. As soon as Avi began to introduce the toe reading last week for Parshat Miketz, uh, I knew that I had made a mistake that I had never, at least to my knowledge, made before, which is that I had taught the wrong Parsha in Torah study. The problem was, was that last week was, last Shabbat was the first day after Hanukkah, and most years during Hanukkah we read Parshat Miketz, which means that the Parsha after the holiday ends is usually Parshat Vayigash. But this year, because Hanukkah started on Friday and ended on Friday, Miketz was not read during Hanukkah, but after it. And so we read Parshat Vayigash this week. Living two different calendars is a difficult task. And keeping track of Jewish time and trying to match it up with the secular calendar is, is almost impossible. It's so impossible, in fact, that we have these, these huge, thick books that instruct us on how the Hebrew calendar fits in with the Gregorian calendar and also explains how that might change the idiosyncrasies of ritual in each particular year. And if you think that it's confusing for us Jews, imagine how confusing it must be for everybody else. I was talking to a Christian friend once about the timing of the high holidays, which kind of creep earlier and earlier each year until you get to a leap year, and then Adar Bet pushes everything back again later. And the friend responded, yes, you know, I've noticed that the Jewish calendar does move around. Sometimes Hanukkah comes before Christmas, and sometimes Hanukkah comes during Christmas. And in fact, I heard that this year, Yom Kippur comes before Rosh Hashanah. So the calendar has always been a source of fascination and confusion for Jews and non-Jews alike. And as I mentioned, living two calendars at once is complicated enough but the truth is, is that depending on which part of the world you live in, there's another calendar to keep track of because there are differences in the Jewish calendar in Israel and the rest of the world. So that's actually three calendars to keep track of. Even today, there are, there are years when because holidays in the diaspora end, uh, for example, on Shabbat, while in Israel they end on Friday, we end up reading a different Parsha than they do in Israel for much of the year. For example... If Simchat Torah and Shemini Yatzeret, which is one, only one day in Israel, falls on Friday, that means in Israel they read Parshat Bereshit the following day. But for us, that Shabbat is Simchat Torah, because those two days are two different days for us. We add an extra day for every holiday, and therefore we don't read Parshat Bereshit until the following week. And so for the weeks afterwards, Israel is already always one Parsha ahead of us. You can also see these regional calendar differences in the weekday Amidah in the way that we pray for rain. The first time that we pray for rain in the Givurot section that talks about God's might and mastery over nature, we begin to say, Mashiv Haruach Amarid HaGashem, that God causes the wind to blow and the rain to fall, after Shemini Yatzeret. And that's because the sages wanted to postpone the rainy season until after the pilgrimage festivals were complete. And that way we wouldn't get rained on as we were making our way towards Jerusalem. Uh, depending on how long the prayer took to get to God, we may get a little sprinkle on the way home, right? But at least not on the journey to the temple when we were carrying all this stuff. But for Jews in the more southern part of the world, the rainy season didn't start until much later in the solar calendar year which the rabbis calculated is about 60 days into solar autumn, 
or 30 days before winter. And that's why in the ninth blessing of the Amidah during the week, we ask God, give us rain and may that rain be for a blessing. And we start saying that uh, around December 4th or 5th, uh, long after Simchat Torah is over, uh, and it's actually December 4th most years and December 5th in a, in a leap year. Now, math is not my strong suit. But you don't have to be a math whiz to note that December 4th is much closer to the winter solstice than 30 days. It's about 10 days too late. So what happened? How did things get to be so off? Well, in the year 1582, the Catholic Church, who were the timekeepers for the world, calculated that the spring equinox had occurred that year on March 11th, which was 10 days too early. So the church had been using an ancient formula to determine the length of the solar year. And now they realized that since the calendar was moving backwards, they goofed. They had miscalculated by about 11 minutes and 14 seconds. So Pope Gregory XIII shifted the calendar back by completely removing 10 days in October, making October 5th in the year 1582 into October 15th. So you went to sleep the night of October 4th and you woke up the next morning, it was October 15th. And this restored the spring equinox back to March 21st. He also, by the way, implemented a change to the number of days in the calendar year, removing a day, February 29th, every 100 years when the centuries change. And those of us who notice these things might remember that though February of 2020, uh, sorry, February of 2000 would originally have been a leap year, that year, February, only had 28 days. So now the Jewish community has a decision to make. They have a dilemma. Jews had been calculating the date to, say, to start saying in the Amidah 60 days after the start of autumn based on their own ancient calendar, which also had happened to line up to the Julian calendar that the rest of the world had been using for about 1,500 years. But adopting this new calendar would mean rejecting the rabbinic ordinances for calculating the solstice as it was recorded in the Talmud. So ultimately the rabbis decided to reject Gregory's changes. No surprise for us, given how the church had treated the Jewish communities of Europe. And that is why for us, December 4th or December 5th is indeed 60 days after the start of fall and 30 days before the start of winter, even though for the rest of the world, it's not. In many ways, the story of the Jewish community's rejection of the Gregorian calendar captures an essential element of the spirit of what it means to be Jewish. Judaism was created as a revolution in time. Before Judaism, there was no separation. There was no difference between one day and another. But after the introduction of Shabbat and the concept of a weekly cycle, Judaism completely changed how the world marked time. No longer was every single day a work day. No longer could employers force their laborers to work 365 days a year. The observance of Shabbat as remembrance of God's creation gave us the opportunity to say to the rest of the world, six days a week we are subject to your rules, to your time, but one day a week is now ours. You can go on working, but we will not. We will devote ourselves to family and study and rest. 
And though the rest of the world eventually adopted our model, it's no surprise that we maintain our difference in time by keeping our holy day as the seventh day of the week, Saturday, while most others observe it on Sunday. And this time of year, in particular, is always a temporal change, a temporal challenge for Jews. Because our seasons, our celebrations, like the prayer for rain in the Amidah, are always about 10 days earlier than everybody else's. Yesterday, Christians celebrated Christmas, while for us, Hanukkah ended a week ago. We're on winter break this week, at least we have been, and next week too, and our girls are home from school. But it's not lost on me that the reason that they get a break at a Jewish school is because of holidays that we don't even celebrate, and because we are marking the conclusion of a calendar that is not our own. Nevertheless, what we have also seen is that not only do we have to account for the secular calendar and the Christian concept of time, increasingly the rest of the world has had to keep an eye on our calendar as well. Last week in my class on the book, The New Jewish Canon, we studied the controversy over the public lighting of the Hanukkiah, which is a tradition that is now commonplace in America, even in the temples of democracy like the White House. But that wasn't always the case. Before Menachem Schneerson and Chabad began a campaign to encourage Jews to light the Hanukkiah in public, Christmas displays in malls and outside civic buildings never included the Hanukkiah. Schneerson took his case all the way to the Supreme Court, where the nine justices were asked to decide whether or not a courthouse in Pennsylvania could display both a nativity scene and a Hanukkiah at its entrance. The ACLU and others sued the state of Pennsylvania, arguing that because our constitution enshrines a separation between church and state, it was not appropriate for a government building to display anything of a religious nature. A Hanukkiah and a nativity scene might suggest that Christianity and Judaism are state-sponsored religions. Shockingly, the court ruled against the nativity scene and in favor of allowing the Hanukkiah. Why? Because the nativity scene had explicitly religious messages celebrating the birth of Jesus, while the Hanukkiah, according to the court, was simply indicative of the holiday season, which they wrote is a secular celebration and not a religious one. Now, you almost never see a Christmas display in a store without a Hanukkiah. Why? Not just because of the Supreme Court ruling, but because what many businesses have realized is that if they put out a display celebrating Christmas, they are indeed projecting the message that America is a Christian country. But if they display a Hanukkiah alongside of it, they are celebrating the religious diversity of America. Now, there are other minority religions in America too, but it was precisely because we insisted on, our, on reminding our neighbors that we Jews live in Jewish time that our nation's winter holiday season came to include Hanukkah. By lighting our Hanukkah in public, Hanukkah became a prominent feature of the secular calendar. It's listed on every single one, even though we are just one of many minority religions here. Reading our Parsha, I imagine that Joseph must have felt the same tension between his own faith and the majority faith of the Egyptians for whom he served as such a powerful authority. When his family arrived in Egypt, increasing the number of Israelites in the country by almost 70, he took great pains to ensure that they would be both visible and separate, designating the land of Goshen for them, which was an area where the Israelite profession, which was herding cattle, 
which was frowned upon in Egypt, could be successfully practiced due to its geographic features. And while Joseph and his family managed to successfully navigate their differences with the Egyptians and how they marked time, in how they made their living, and in how they worshiped God, once Joseph was forgotten, once the differences between ourselves and the Egyptians were not displayed and honored in the seat of power, the Israelites were no longer safe. And once again, Jewish time was lost. Every day was a work day, a weekday, and without Shabbat, we became slaves. One of my favorite midrashim is about the creation of the sun and the moon. In Genesis, it said that God created each of them as a powerful, great light. But when the moon saw that the sun's light was brighter and more powerful, it accused God of being dishonest. Pained by guilt and regret, God promised to restore the moon to its rightful place by making the birth of the new moon the marker for how we count time, the start of a new month. And while it may seem sometimes, especially in the winter, that our calendar, our religion, and our identity has become subsumed by the greater light in America, we can take great pride in the fact that though Christmas is indeed the dominant winter holiday in America, throughout our country and around this time of the winter solstice, when the sun is at its most absent, it is the Hanukkah, the symbol of the Jewish calendar that is the first to light up the darkness. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. We'll continue now with the Musaf service. Hilton Jonas is going to lead us, so I invite you, Hilton, now to unmute yourself. And uh, we're going to begin with the Amidah on page 185. I invite everyone to please rise. Hilton will lead us through the beginning of the prayer, 185 and 186. He'll then skip the Kiddushah on page 187 and then finish out loud with the third blessing of the Amidah, page 188 at the top. And then we'll conclude the prayer individually through page 192. 185. <laughs>
Hilton, beautifully done. Thank you so much. Um, make sure you have uh, some wine or some grape juice handy. You're going to come back and lead us in Kiddush a little bit later. Uh, but for now, we are going to take a moment to uh, celebrate those among us who uh, got married in this month of December, which is a popular month for Jews to get married because Shabbat ends much earlier. You can get married on Saturday night. So uh, I know there are a couple of folks who are here with us uh, who have their anniversaries in December. So if you are here and you're celebrating your anniversary, uh, please uh, unmute yourselves and raise your hand. Let me see your, your hand and let me know that you're here uh, and share with us your, I'll call on you and share with us your names and how long it is that you have been married. June, go ahead. Uh, Dan and I have been married for 41 years uh, this month. Mazel Tov. Mazel Tov. Scott. Uh, Miro and I have been married for 43 years this month. Mazel Tov to you, Carolyn and David. David and I have been married for 34 years this month. Mazel Tov. Others that I am missing. Well, Mazel Audrey and Marshall Brooker were married for 53 years on December 10th. Oh, Mazel Tov. Wonderful. Thank you. Anyone else? Well, Mazel Tov to all of our anniversary couples. We wish you many, many more years of wedded bliss. 
Mazel tov, mazel tov. Indigo Bruckner, are you here with us? Let me see your, your beautiful face. There you are. Indigo is going to lead us in Ein Kelohenu on page 204. Whenever you're ready, Indigo. Beautiful. Will you lead us also for Alenu, page 205? Please rise, everybody. I'm <laughs> 